Hey, everybody. Welcome to Healthy Discourse. I'm super excited to welcome today's guest to the show, my friend, Harold. How are you, Harold? I'm doing great. Can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, here you go. Okay, awesome. Well, I told I, I texted Harold a minute ago and told him my eight-year-old son had some military service questions yeah, for him. I'm, I'm always happy to hear any young person <laughs> interested in the military on some level. <laughs> we'll see if he comes back. He he went to go make himself something to drink, so he'll yeah, be back. That's, that's but I'm point. really excited, really excited to have you on today. I'm really excited about the topic that we're going to dig into. But I would love first for you to tell us a little bit more about yourself. But I'll start by saying that I met Harold. Well, I heard of Harold back in the winter um, when, you know, it seemed like this band of conservatives was coming together based on a set of values that kind of we've all been sitting back for a while and not necessarily acting. But, you know, there's a lot of things that are important, but not necessarily doing the things. And, um, you know, around this winter, things kind of started to change. And then I heard that Harold was going to be running to be the GOB chairman for our county. And I got to go to that convention and hear his speech and a little bit about his background and have been really inspired by him since then. And so I would love for you to start by just telling a little bit about your history and your family's history and kind of how you've gotten to where you are today. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, thank you for having me, Emily. I appreciate it. Um, so now I'm currently vice chair of the Forsyth County GOP and the chair is Ken Raymond and we're working together to make uh, our county great. So um, we've been working really hard. And um, but as far as um, my background, uh, I, I guess I'll start from currently. Uh, I'm an attorney here, a criminal defense attorney here in in uh, in Winston-Salem. Um, and prior to that, I've been the defense attorney for about three years prior to that. Uh, I was a prosecutor uh, here in, in Forsyth County. I was a prosecutor here, and, and I was also a prosecutor in another small county called Rockingham County, which is not too far from here. So um, I've been in the in the criminal law world since I got out of law school. I kind of knew when I went to law school um, that I, that's what I wanted to do. Um, I went to law school at Wake Forest here in Winston-Salem, and I went on a Yellow Ribbon Scholarship, and, and a Yellow Ribbon Scholarship it's part of the post 9-11 GI Bill um, where uh, certain um, uh, graduate schools, law schools, medical schools give scholarships, uh, generally one or two a year at that school if they're part of this program um, to a combat veteran. So I got that scholarship to go to, to Wake Forest Law School and, um, and uh, was thankful for that. Um, of course, bef before I went to law school, uh, I was in the military, I was in the Army. Um, I joined the army in 2004 after college and, um, and worked in, uh, the 101st airborne division in a specialized unit there. Um, I was an infantry guy and, and did, uh, hundreds of missions in, in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, specialized missions there, um, with a team of great, great, great men. Um, I'll, so, I'll stop you there for just one yeah. second, Harold, because it's a great time for my son Adler to yeah. interject. He has a question about your time in the Airborne Division. Yeah. Go ahead. What was what was the scariest thing you did? Well, um, I did a lot of scary things. What one thing I will say was um, 
was scary was uh, actually in training, we have to rappel from a helicopter. And the helicopter is about uh, 200 plus feet in the air. And you have to put, you know, kind of latch onto it and just jump out. And, and there's a rope that goes all the way to the ground. And you kind of have to put the rope behind your back and look down and sort of go all the way to the ground. Um, and I turned upside down a few times and, and, and went down the rope pretty fast. So uh, that was one of the scariest things I did. I, I, I jumped, I had a, 40 parachute jumps so um i landed in trees sometimes sometimes i landed in all sorts of weird areas so that was pretty scary too that all does sound scary thank you so much for answering his question yeah so sorry i didn't he really wanted to ask you that so no i love it i love (laughs) it i will let you continue talking about your your background prior to the military yeah prior to the military you know grew up in san francisco north carolina and um my dad's an immigrant from haiti so uh, and my mom's from New Jersey, and, and I think part of what informs me as a conservative and what what uh, I've those the values that I've gotten from my family um, are those sort of those sort of tra- traditional values that I think make us conservatives, um, and that especially as, as an African American that I can do anything as a Black American I can do anything in this country that anybody else can do, and we we have. Uh, an incredible opportunity as Americans, every single one of us, um, mm-hmm. to live our best life. And we live in this incredible place that, um, that you know, the other people want to complain about, but they never seem to leave. So um, mm-hmm. we, that's how we know it's an awesome, awesome place to live, right? Well, and I'm but, certain that yeah. your family, as, you know, your dad immigrating from Haiti in particular, um, has quite the perspective on the the opportunities and the freedoms that we get to enjoy here. He definitely um, does. He, mm-hmm. you know, we were, we all had a family vacation um, uh, a few weeks ago and we were in, um, in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, and we had this kind of cabin and all that. And my dad was talking about how um, when he came to the United States, um, he was a teenager and he came in the seventies and, and how uh, people would tell him, well, you know, um, he said other young young black Americans would tell him, you know, the white man won't let you do anything and you can't do this and you can't do that. And he, you know, he was saying coming from Haiti, you know, there's no white people. He had no concept of that. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of either you did or you didn't. You were good at something or you weren't good, right? And so he just thought, well, I can do anything. I'm in the United States. I mean, there's a ton of opportunity here. And, mm-hmm. you know, my dad took advantage of it. He graduated college in three years and he's an attorney and did a bunch of great stuff. And all, you know, really my entire side of that family has done extremely, extremely well. And it's, it's not, and it's, it's, it's funny because, you know, we, we have these arguments about, uh, the, about whether America's systemically racist and we know it isn't. And, and, you know, the big, the biggest way we can look at it and say that it isn't is look at, um, you know, black immigrants, essentially. Um, right. The fact that, you know, half of the Ivy League, um, the black people in the Ivy League are made up of first and second generation um, Caribbean and African immigrants. And mm-hmm. that's because um, it's th- that that's it's because it's not about systemic racism. It's just about an attitude of what of what you want to achieve and what you want to do. And so right. that that um, definitely is, is important. I think I heard recently that um, the most successful immigrant group currently is those coming from Nigeria. So right. it kind of 
debunks that whole idea of, you know. No, it debunks the whole idea. It debunks the left's whole idea that, you know, because for their for their idea to take hold, it has uh to be true for them that no matter uh, who you are, if your skin is colored, then that means that you are you are oppressed. You're a victim. Right. It debunks that idea. Right. Because being a victim is about the mentality you have. And and that's, you know, unfortunately, um, what we're fighting against, I think. Right. Well, so when I when I talked to you a couple of days ago, we talked about I, I asked Harold, I said, tell me, you know, what is an issue that you feel like we're facing right now that people are really either uninformed about or misguided or you feel we're not paying close enough attention to? And I was really kind of surprised by the topic that you came up to up with that we're going to dig into today. And it's great because it takes your background and kind of puts it into what's happening right now in our culture, too. And that is what is happening within the military with requirements and changes and perhaps social justice issues and all these kinds of things and how it is affecting the way that we've always run the military. And I would love for you to jump in and kind of tell us a little bit of your perspective on that. And um, I actually found a couple of articles within the last day or so too and I'm, I'll just yeah, jump awesome. in with some things that were mentioned in them because they articulate the situation well but tell us about your concerns of you know how the larger culture is affecting what's happening in the military and why that's something we all need to be paying attention to yes there's a lot to that I mean I, what I'll say is um, you know my experience in the military, was in the infantry. And so before about, I want to say 2013 or 12-ish, um, certain combat parts of the military, uh, combat arms, uh, there were not, it was not, there were no women. Um, so when I was in 2004 to 2010, there were no women in my unit. Um, and, you know, it is a very... Uh, how do I describe it? It, it is American manhood <laughs> on max. You know what I mean? Sure, and, I can appreciate that. And that's okay because mm-hmm. you know we as as war fighters in the United States, we believe we're the toughest um, that there is, and that's mm-hmm. part of what you know being a, a soldier is about um, is knowing that as Americans we never quit um, mm-hmm. and we never give up, and so. That doesn't mean that um, having women or anything like that means that, that we will quit or anything like that. But I think what's happening is there there is this push in the military for, for the woke culture. Mm-hmm. And and w- what that really means is that um, it's, it sort of started with saying, well, um, we can't be too hard on soldiers because, you know, they're, they, they've got uh, this issue mentally or that issue. Uh, as, as far as when they're when they're coming into the military, mm-hmm. so it started with you know drill sergeants giving out uh, you know instead of making a soldier do push-ups in some basic trainings um, in some of the uh, military occupational specialties, they they give them sort of challenge cards and stuff like that, and you know it, it's gone from that to really changing the standards of of um, of soldiers and, and airmen and marines. And because the military is a meritocracy. I mean, you know, one of the things about being in the army, one of the first things they tell you is you are green. 
you know, we everybody here is army green. You're mm-hmm. all equally horrible. All right? That's what, <laughs> right. When you get there. Okay. So that's it. You know, it doesn't matter where you come from, what you look like, what your parents did. No one cares. You are here and it's just about what you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and that, that that's something that I think people in the military and people outside of the military know about the military and value because, you know, that, you know, the, the people that get certain rank or do certain things in the military, they, they've earned that. And mm-hmm. nothing is given there. Um, so. That, that's an important part. That meritocracy is an important part of the military. Well, mm-hmm. part of what's happening in the culture is this attack on a meritocracy. Because mm-hmm. part of the woke culture is, well, it's about equity. And equity is at odds with a meritocracy. Equity meaning equity of outcome. If right. the outcomes aren't equitable, then then there's, there's something systemically wrong. And right. so, you know, th- there's a, this push to get rid of some of these um, uh, meritorious uh, sort of uh, standards that we have in order to push for equity and outcome and, and as in the sense of this you know if, if we have if, if the navy seals don't look like america like they like to say then it's wrong well mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter what they look like just get the best guys that are the toughest that are going to do right. the worst to our enemies that's what matters right and, and, and two things yeah. i just want to jump in and say so just to define our terms for our audience, you know, I think most of us um, are in yeah. this place where equity and equality sound very different. And, right. and what Harold is saying is equality is what the military has always been. So right. that means you come in, you start at the same place, you're given the same opportunities. What are you going to do with it? You right. have equal opportunity, right? Absolutely. And, and, and what culture is doing, which it seems the military is following suit, is saying, no, we need equity of outcome. So instead of giving you equal opportunities, our outcomes need to be equitable and the same. And the truth is, you know, when you when you take an example and you start applying that and you, you when you get to a certain point where it just doesn't work anymore. And it's one of these great it's one of these ideas or theories that seems to make sense or be fair or whatever you want to say until you actually apply it to real life. Right. And then it, then it just implodes. The whole culture implodes because we no longer have standards of any kind. You can't have standards and have equity. No, right. Right. Of course. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the problem. I mean, you know, equity is the standard for them. I mean, it, so it's, it's, it's the notion that, you know, if, if you want to be, uh, you know, uh, like I said, if you want to be in special operations or whatever, if there, if this, if it doesn't, if the demographics don't look exactly, if it's not, you know, 13% black and 13% Hispanic and 70% white or whatever, then it doesn't look like America. Then that means that it's not, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and, and being, and being sort of consumed with, you know, the way people look and all that sort of stuff, when that's not really what it's about, it's just about, can you do it or not? Right. Um, well, and I would argue, um, I live in the world of health and wellness, and I can tell you that I don't want the military to look from a health and wellness standpoint like America. <laughs> like, that's not who I want defending me. And I'm sorry if that's not PC, but like, most of us are not capable of going out and defending much of anything from a physical standpoint, even much less from that mental toughness that's required and the strategic focus and all of those really special skills that are 
makes set someone apart to go in and be a special operations kind of guy, which I've never done that, obviously, but I, I can imagine that we don't want, you know, necessarily America to be represented in these situations. Right. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, I, I think of it, you know, the, the military is really big, obviously, and there's, there's, there's lots of room for people in the military to do all sorts of jobs. No question about mm-hmm. that. But when it comes to when it comes to a certain part of the military that really is, you know, um, kicking the door down, essentially, there there's a there is um, just, you know, there's a certain like you said, a certain type of person that needs to be doing that job. And we need mm-hmm. the best people to do that job, no matter what they look like or no matter where they're from, whoever it is. We need those people doing that on behalf of our country. It's, I mean, just like any other, anything else in life, you know, um, if, if you like football, I mean, you know, you're, you're recruiting, you want to get the best guys on your team. It doesn't matter what they look like, really. Right. It's just, hey, can you play? And, you know, are you going to benefit the team? And, and that's what, that's what that's about. So what part of, you know, what's concerning that's happening in the military is, is not just, um, internally in the, in the woke sort of stuff that's happening inside where there's become a lot of, uh, e- even in, in the last year and a half, there's become a, a lot of these sort of virtual trainings that are all about um, uh, di- diversity and inclusion and that sort of stuff. And not that diversity is bad in the military, diversity is good in the military, but it, it, it you know, when that's the focus of, of, of so much stuff, that, that goes against the culture of the military, really. And so there's a lot of internal stuff, but there's also a lot of issues externally with recruitment for the military. Because part of what's happening, too, is that as young people are becoming indoctrinated to this notion that, uh, you know, America's bad and it's not worth defending and so on and so forth, military recruitment has struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's it's really concerning for our country because you know I was talking to somebody um, this past Memorial Day about how you know the number of Americans the 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 share of the country that is a veteran is shrinking extremely rapidly. Mm-hmm. So Memorial Day or Veterans Day twenty five years from now will just be one percent of the country. Wow. Um, where where it, right now it's closer to ten percent, and mm-hmm. and most of that ten percent is Vietnam World War II era veterans, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so you know that we're we're just it's it's shrinking and shrinking. Um, there's a book that Sebastian Younger wrote. He's this uh, award-winning journalist that was embedded with units in, in, in Afghanistan and Iraq, and he writes mm-hmm. this book called Tribe. And in the book, he talks about. Um, how how important it is for uh, for us as Americans and us as a community to feel connected to our warriors. Um, and the further we get away from those connections, you know, it's important when, you know, lots of people can say, well, I've got my dad was in the military or my cousin or my brother or my sister, or, you know, that sort of stuff. Even if you weren't in it, those connections that are just one person removed, keep mm-hmm. our keep it, keep us closer together. But we are when you only have one or two percent of the population in it, you get further and further removed. Right. And I think it's, it's going to change not just the military culture internally, but our American culture uh, sure. as well. Well, and so just just to put a couple of kind of stories into what you're saying. So, you know, I I, I did an episode a while back about why 
modern day feminism is hurting women. And I would argue that that's also infiltrating into the mil- military. And, you know, I'm, I'm reading an article about these new fitness standards for Aaron that now you can choose between a one and a half mile run, a one mile walk, or a 20, a, a 20 meter shuttle run to meet a cardio requirement. And then you've got all these options for, for pushups and you've got all these options for sit-ups and even just on the physical fitness level of this, which I, you know, on the surface is like, oh, we're going to allow more people to do this. But when it comes to what that operation is going to be, you know, I'm a very, I, I, I really say this as hum, humbly, I mean it that way, but I'm a fit woman. Like I can run fast. I can do all the things. I love to lift weights. I can do a whole bunch of push-ups, sit-ups, whatever. I can pass this test. No problem. That said, I'm not the person you want to be jumping out of the airplane to go into combat. I can guarantee you that hundred percent because I feel as a female, I'm not, I don't, we're, we are, we're equal, but we're not the same. So even if I can do all of the original requirements, and I know this is probably a very unpopular opinion, I don't know that I'm suited. I know for sure I'm not suited to be in that situation where I might get shot at any second. Like, I do think God made men and women differently. That's not to say, like you said, many times, and women have, I'm sure, a place in the military. And I would oh, imagine yeah, that, in certain, yes, that in certain situations, especially when you're engaging with different cultures, that women in those cultures probably like to see women from in our culture, right? And to be able to have those relationships and to say, oh, there's women here too. I would imagine that's just hypothetically speaking, that that's actually important to be able to connect and to be able to better serve and figure things out and do those kinds of operations that matter. But so my point is though, we, we are customizing to individuals, our standards, and this is for airmen. That's, you know, that's important. And I would imagine you need to be really fit to be jumping out of airplanes. Right. Um, Meanwhile, China is, um, let's see, they are, they are, they've been incorporated new, here it is. They are publishing the, the China's education ministry published plans to cultivate masculinity in boys from kindergarten through high school. So this is more like a military training, hiring and training more gym teachers, testing students to be more a student physical education requiring all of these types of things. And then I think they actually do it. Like they wear military uniforms from some of the things that I've seen. Yeah. So while we're focused on making everything equitable, our biggest potential adversary is focusing on making their young boys more prepared for physically for right for the actual thing. The military is built to do (laughs) the military is built to kill and destroy the enemies of the United States. Period. There's mm-hmm. one job. Right. That's, that's just that's the job. Everybody's focused on that job. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we all help each other to that one goal. That is the goal of the military, and and it's not to be a social justice experiment. Right. And I think that you know, w- part of what's concerning for us is that, and I think it should be concerning for for all Americans when I say us, is mm-hmm. that you know we've had. We've shown, Americans have shown on the battlefield that we are tough. 
that you know we you know you think about battles like Bastogne where you know in World War II where they're surrounded by seven German divisions, one American division, and we win against mm-hmm. all odds. I mean, and it's happened over and over in American history. Mm-hmm. You know that toughness, that grit, that that will to never quit. That you know that's part of us. But if we lose that to anybody else, um, we lose part of our culture as Americans and, and, and our lethality as a military. And, right. you know, we can't, we can't, you know, the, the enemies of our country are keen to that. I mean, they want us to fight over this nonsense. They want us to get mired down in this kind of stuff where, where they're training their guys to be able to be, you know, bigger, faster, tougher than, than we are. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we just, we just can't, um, we just have to be careful there. And I, I think that like you, like the example you brought up of China, I mean, it's, it's, you know, if it's not on Americans' minds, it should be because it, I promise it's on their minds. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm no military expert, that's for sure, but I would imagine that they're sitting back just a lot. What are they going to do next? Like, you know, they're making our job easier day by day. And I think it's really short sighted for us to think that it will just be fine and it's enough, you know? And I think that we sit, like you said, we, we get far enough removed from these everyday things because most of us now haven't served. We, we don't have the perspective that you two do to just think that it's just going to be fine. We're, we're America, so it's going to be fine. It's if we continue to change all of these, you know, spaces where we need, we need strength and we need grit and we need the best of the best. And that goes for lots of different things. Yep. Um, then we, then we're setting ourselves up for disasters in lots of different spaces. The, the ability to protect and preserve and, and fight for our country is certainly not a place, like you said, to have a social experiment. All right. And, so, I, and, and I, yeah. you know, I think it's, it's important to know um, that the American military uh, across both parties um, is one of the, the last truly bipartisan, truly um, uh, trusted um, institutions in the United States. It's the most trusted institution in the United States. When you poll uh, people, it has like an 85 or some or higher percent approval rating. It's one of the last institutions to really have it. So, of course, mm-hmm. the left wants to go after that. Right. Right. I mean, of right. course, there's a there's a group that wants to go after the American military. You're seeing it sort of coming up recently. A lot of my, my buddies in, in the in the special operations community have there's obviously we have lots of groups on Facebook and stuff like that. And our groups, there's numerous articles been have been written in the last year about these groups, specifically about our Facebook groups and about mm-hmm. um, guys, former guys that have done it. And they want to say these guys are bad. They used to be patriots, but a lot of them support Trump, and they're all terrible now. And so mm. there's there's been a lot of sort of uh, very how do I explain? There's been a lot of uh, cropping up about how the military and these articles written about how the military is a bastion of white supremacy and all sorts of stuff, mm-hmm. just to stoke this conversation and get this ball moving from the left's perspective mm-hmm. on how um, how the military isn't. As as um, as as trustworthy as we would think, because um, because of what they always care about, or what they always uh, bring up, and that's uh, it's racist. Um, you know, every, right. everything is. If they can say, you know, right. birds are racist, they'll they'll do it. 
And um, so that, that's, well, and that's, that's I think that's argument. sure, yeah. And it's one of the most concerning things. I mean, it's, we don't have to look that far back in history to see when these kinds of things and the weakening of the the, the institutions that matter. I mean, you know, and and the lack of patriotism that we're feeling, and the lack of military support, and and you know, sure, there's probably organization you know military and police and this that and the other but to try to just erase or 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 just say that oh, anymore my way is better is quite dangerous <laughs> and so um i just hope that we all begin to where are these again these are ideas not principles which you and i both got to meet with lieutenant governor robinson last week and that was something he said that really stuck to me is are we focusing on ideas and or principles that we know matter and work? And I think that's something we need to, as individuals and as a, as a culture, really do and, and consider what what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's that you know the way I always think about it is, it, you know, we as conservatives we believe in absolute principles and and you know absolute truth. And that's part of kind of ingrained into who we are. The, the left, it, it's a it's an ever moving um, sort of goalpost on are you a bigot or not? I mean, what I mean by that is, you, you know, you look at 13 years ago, Barack Obama's outwardly saying that he's against gay marriage, right? Mm-hmm. You, today he would be an absolute bigot. He'd be called. Right. So the, right. the, the goalpost always moves. 12, 10 years mm-hmm. from now, it'll be something else. Five years from now, it's sure. always moving. The theories are always changing for the left. There's no absolute there. Then mm-hmm. That's kind of, you know, that's our fight. And it's to, it's to say, you know, there's some absolute truths here. Our, our, you know, our rights, you know, come from God. And that's a, that's a truth, you know. And so mm-hmm. um, we just got to keep fighting that battle. And I appreciate you for, for um, yeah. doing that. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for your service, Harold. Thank you for continuing to support um, so much that has happened in the military. I actually learned that you had set up a, a tell us really quickly. I know it's we need to finish up, but in our county, you created a better access for veterans to have uh, legal representation. Am I correct about that? Yeah, so um, we, uh, me and a, a group of folks in 2016, we founded a, a veterans treatment court and it's mm-hmm. one of uh, four counties in the state that has this kind of court. And it's a court that um, focuses on veterans who uh, have served obviously, and many have served in combat and that are charged with crimes. And we help them uh, holistically in their life, help them get through the charges themselves, help them, um, you know, get anything they need uh, a job. And of course, treatment from either substance abuse or mental health treatment. And mm-hmm. it's been it's been a really successful um, program that I'm very been very proud to be a part of. I've um, been a I was the the prosecutor on it for for several years, and now I'm on the advisory board of it. And uh, it's it's a it's a wonderful asset to our community. That's great. Well, thank you again for your service. Thank you for continuing to serve and for um, you know standing up for those principles that that matter to you that we we feel matter for the future of 
um, our city, our county, our state, our country. Um, I feel like, you know, I talk about this a lot on here, but it's time for those of us that have sat down and been quiet and raised our families and focused on, you know, our immediate issues at hand and, you know, served in our churches and everything. But it's it's time that we stand up because our, our collective voice is so much louder than I think we, we understand. And when we yeah. stand strong and stand together, there's so much good to be accomplished and there's so much, um, you know, the, the voices that we hear that seem so loud are actually few and far between. And so when we stand firm together, uh, we can accomplish a lot. So thanks again yeah. for joining me today. And Thank I you. look forward to all this. Gonna... Yeah. A lot, many more. Right. That we have. <laughs> Thank you. Emily. That's right. That's right. Thank you. Take care.